I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everywhere we go, people want to know. Hello, everyone. My name is Rebecca Kelly, and you're listening to the Everywhere We Go podcast. On this week's episode, I sit down with mother daughter duo Carmel and Sersha. Carmel tells me about her shock pregnancy on Saoirse, finding out she was pregnant on her graduation day as her war is break as she heads into the Great Hall. We chat through the trauma of her delivery and a series of horrible medical events that follow them through the years. With Carmel being accused of having Munchausen, of being an anxious mother and the threat of social services. They tell me about the mixed emotions of finally getting the diagnosis they sought for so many years. Cerebral palsy. Sorsha tells me how this deeply affected her mental health, how she never felt good enough, sick enough or disabled enough. But she also tells me how she came out of it to the other side, starting and growing a beautiful business with her mother and what the future holds. These women are as lovely as they are articulate. Their relationship is a beautiful one. They've been through the mill and back again, but you can't help but fall in love with them. I wish them nothing but success and health in their future. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? I'm Saoirse and I'm from Newcastle. I'm Carmel and I'm from Newcastle. So we have mother and daughter here. Yes, yes. that's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and we're from Newcastle but living in Ireland. We live in, in Swords at the moment, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And what is the Irish connection? Um, both sides of my family, my mum and dad. My dad's from down in Mayo. Um, the family are from that area and my mum's family are from Armagh. Both sides and my dad um, lives in his farm awfully. Tell me about your pregnancy because that was a big deal. So what Gosh. tell me about that? Yeah, um, well, the I suppose the whole background of this is that I, I gave birth um, on my graduation day um, without realising I was actually pregnant. So how does that happen? How talk me through that? It was like the immaculate conception. <laughs> it wasn't really. Um, I was. I had just um, finished university, and my plan was to go back to Gran Canaria. Um, it's where Sirius's dad was living at the time, so I was going back over, and I had job lined up. I was over. I was actually over there um, the weeks before my graduation day this, for the ceremony. So I was, you know, getting the tan, um, flying around the Irish bars on a nighttime. Irish dancer, so I was in flight entertainment, you know, oh um, dancing on the bars, doing the reels and everything. Not a bother on us. Like everything was fine. Um, till I flew back. Um, I flew back two days before my graduation and I had a stomach ache, in inverted commas. Um, didn't feel too well, just thought it was like the high living and the drink and everything. Um, landed, it was getting sorted out. Um, 
we were, my mum had roped us into the church barbecue and I remember dying at the church. I was thinking, bloody hell, that's the last place I want to be. But, you know, you, you go, don't you? Um, and then I had to go shopping with her to the Metro Centre because she needed shoes and handbag. And I remember like, oh my God, the pain. And then I started what I thought was my period. Well, it just felt like an ordinary period, period like okay. time of the month. Okay. Yeah, um, I was skinny, skinny. I was a size eight. I've kept the, the skirt. Um, no belly. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. But I did look really good. Like, my skin and everything was great. And I just thought, oh, it's because I've been in the sunshine. Yeah. Clearly it wasn't. It was, I must have had that glow, do you know, yeah. that that way. Um, my mom had started, she said, she said to me afterwards, she said, I had suspected there was something up. She said, but I just thought it was very early days. Because mm. um, she's a midwife. Okay. So, I mean, thank God, thank God like, um, I had two midwives and a Catholic priest with us when we graduation. So I was well prepared. <laughs> oh you couldn't God. have made it up, could you? <laughs> I was 22. So tell me about that day then. So we're driving down to Leeds and I just thought, oh God, bloody hell, here we go. And I felt rotten and I just thought, oh, you know, it's time of the month, you know, and the stress of go, you know, the graduation and everything. Um, And we were booked up to... Um, drive across to Ireland again for the long summer holidays. We used to always come back over for like the months, you know. Um, so I was, we'd, I'd been packing, oh, packing and everything for that. And then, um, so then went down and I was getting my photographs taken, had the cap and gown on, I'd get my photographs taken, meeting everybody and chatting away. And I was just so didn't, I felt rotten, like really rotten. Anyway, got the photographs all taken. We all threw our caps up in the air because you do that beforehand, you don't do it afterwards. And then, we just we're all standing around and we're all hugging and kissing and we're like oh it was it was a great atmosphere and I kind of had like that took me mind off it a little bit. So goodbye to everybody who I was with and we were going to go. We had to, we we're getting ushered into the great hall to go and you know sit down for the ceremony. Kiss me, mum, goodbye. And I literally took a step and I wet myself, but I didn't. Obviously, it was my water's breaking, yeah. and my mum just flew into nurse mode straight away. And there was a security guard there and she went, can you get us a taxi, please? And he said, do you not need an ambulance? She went, no, get me a taxi. Because she was just thinking, can you imagine? All the press were there for like the graduations. She's in a bloody ambulance rocking up and this skinny little thing going off. She said, that's the last thing we needed. So we got a taxi and I can't really remember much about this. I think I must have been in shock at this stage. Um, You think? (laughs) <laughs> well, they have been in shock for the past 21 years <laughs> oh my god so we'll get into in the Leeds General and thank god my mum was there she took over and my auntie Maureen who's a nurse a midwife as well and um, they were just kind of like you know my mum said she's in labour water's broken need to get her up so long story short we got upstairs and um then I started, he, I can remember hearing them saying undiagnosed pregnancy, blah, 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 blah. And the next thing I knew, I was literally like in, in, in the delivery suite. And were you in pain when the water broke, did you? I, I was, I'd been feeling so bad for such a, for a few days that it kind of, when they said I was having a baby, initially I just thought, shit. But then I was kind of relieved that I wasn't dying. Yeah. Because I felt like I was dying. Like, I, I can't put it into words, like, how bad I felt. Um, and then when they said, oh, you're having a baby, I, I, I did kind of, I kind of went, oh, thank God for that. Like, I, I'm going to be all right. Yeah. And then I thought, bloody hell, like, I'm not going to be all right. Like, what am I going to do now? Yeah. So, yeah, just, um, I remember being, like, on all fours and, and I was going, shit, shit. And my auntie Maureen, she's dead Catholic. And she was like, don't say shit, pet, say tish. And I was like, tish, tish off. <laughs> 
And then you went into full on labour. Full on labour. And that was, that's when the kind of it turned really, really scary because, um, once she was delivered, the room was just full of, you know, like consultants and nurses, pediatricians, you name it, they were all in the room. And it was really frightening. I mean, mum had helped deliver her, which was, it's lovely that, that mm, kind of thing. Mm. And that's why you've got, I, why mm. you've still got a great bond with grandma, yeah. isn't it? You know? Yeah. Um, and she, I remember just seeing her, they lifted her up by her ankles and they were whacking her and whacking her. And she was literally navy blue. She looked like a skinned rabbit. You know, like it was not a sound. And the, the the one lasting memory I have from that whole, like, delivery is the, the main guy, the main doctor, and he just shook his head. And my mum just shook her head and my mum started to, like, she had tears in her eyes and she was just came straight up to me. And then um, they rushed her over and there were CPAP in her and all the rest of it and trying to clear her airways. Um, and she went, like, a little bit, she had like, she wasn't as, she went purple rather than navy then. So there was a little bit of colour coming into it. And I didn't see her then after that for a couple of hours. They whisked her straight off. Obviously got me um, sorted out. And then they just said to to me, they just said, you know, um, are you are you religious? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a Catholic. And they get her baptised immediately. We, we can't stress this enough. And they were like, we don't think she's going to going to survive like you need to get her baptized now so we had kevin who's a family friend of ours and he was with us for the graduation he just happened to be a catholic priest so you know i was well i was yeah. well prepared oh my god um so he he didn't know what was going on and yanni maureen had to go and explain to him and he was like jesus mary and joseph holy mother of god what's going on <laughs> and so he came in and they gave him all the stuff and um we went up to see her all tubed up and everything and uh and he baptized her and they just said, look, if she lasts four hours, she's done really well. Little bugger. Oh, 12 hours later, all pink, lying on the front. Woohoo, oh living life. God. And they were like, what? This is amazing, you know? And so then like, my mum and everyone left because obviously we were in Leeds. Yeah. They lived in Newcastle. They had no accommodation. I was in, you know, Hotel Leeds General for the night. Um, and uh, when she kind of, when she stabilised a bit, they were like, this is really unexpected. Mm. So they um, they said, yeah, go home. She'll, you know, and we'll ring you straight away. So my mum went home and then had to ring everybody. You like ring my sister, ring my uncles. And so, was she full term? No, they think she was probably, they don't know for sure. They think she was probably six and a half, seven months. You know, she was under three pound born. She was tiny, teeny weeny. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually just hearing the story like because I think it becomes kind of like nonchalant and like it's like you know it's like your party trick almost like <laughs> and like well guess what or like oh 20 years ago blah blah and like hearing it and hearing all the little details about like what they said like you get like the gravity like it's yeah. like bloody hell like and it's me like do you know what I mean yeah it's it's yeah. how it's how is it hitting you like because obviously you know the story yeah but I think it's the same that when we've had before that when you actually sit and listen to the story and yeah. it's about you I feel a bit like <gasps> Like I, I get, I get like chills actually because like I've heard it before and stuff, but and I think as well when it's said amongst family, it's just like they all kind of know it, it's, and it sometimes it kind of felt like it wasn't about me, not mm. as in like centre of attention, but I mean like I felt quite disassociated from it, like mm. the this baby. And then, like, me sitting here, it was, like, two different things. But then, like, hearing it in fresh eyes and, and kind of hearing it more with, like, where the journey's taken with it, it's, like, 
bloody hell, yeah, that is me. And like, yeah. God, I'm alive. And, <laughs> you know, and like for so long, I was kind of like ashamed and like wanted to hide from myself. But I'm like, bloody hell, no, like, thank God for baby Sasha. Like she, yeah. she survived and yeah. just want to give her a hug. And like, you know, as yeah. cheesy as it sounds, but it is like, you know, when yeah. you hear it on fresh ears, you're like, fuah. Like yeah. baby mad. Alice, baby yeah. Alice, because I didn't have a name for you, obviously. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so then your 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 mum's gone home. She's telling the family. Uh-huh. So, and my uncle, my uncle Anthony, um, she went to rang him. He was just like, right, okay, I'm coming over in the morning. We'll go shopping and I'll take you back down well, the next day. When my mum rang him and she just burst. It's a baby brother and they're very close. Yeah. And she rang him and he was like, he said, Maria, what's the matter? And she was just crying and crying and crying on yeah. the phone to him. And he just said, I'm coming over. Yeah. And he said, right, we're going to go shopping. And he literally went out with my mum and the two of them just kitted out because we had nothing like she was like little orphan nanny had nothing you know <laughs> um, and that night though once they'd all left and everything and I still hadn't been asked by a midwife a nurse a doctor a consultant how I was mm. I remember I was plonked in the bath um, and you know what it's like after you've given birth. I mean, mm. like it's, you know, it's all still going on, isn't it? You know, and I was left in the bath for, yeah, too long, really, about a good half an hour. And I felt awful. And then this woman came in, she said, are you still not out of the bath yet? I was like, not, I don't even know what's happening to us, let alone getting out of the bath. Yeah. And then um, I had a really bad experience with one of the nurses and she came in and I've got, I've got a red blood group. I'm, I'm rhesus negative. So I had to have the anti-D injection and everything. Yeah. She came in and she just whacked it in and she was just, you know, and she said, I hope you're going to breastfeed because it's the least you can do after what you've done to her. I could have punched her. Looking back now, I could have punched her. But at the time, I just felt horrendous. Why did they do that? Why? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, because there is no, I, I, I'd like to think that there's still no, there's all these new midwives coming up, young midwives. Yeah. That there isn't that old school mentality, mm-hmm. but there is still because I was told to breast to to breastfeed yeah. my children, and I I feel I actually couldn't. I they wouldn't it wouldn't mm-hmm. take. But what in that moment, like you are just this last little girl. Which yeah, way? I was only twenty two. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. planning on just going out and living my best life and having the crack, you know, mm-hmm. for like the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. God, like when I think I'm coming up to my twenty second birthday, and it's just like. Like, it's just like, <laughs> like done, like never gonna, not in a million years. <laughs> no, like I couldn't even, I can't even imagine. Cause I think when I was hearing the story when I was little, I was like 22, like that's so old, so old yeah. yeah. But now I'm like, bloody hell, like what? I don't know how you did it to be fair. Well, you don't have a choice, do you? When yeah. you have a baby, you have a baby and you know, God, yeah, that's, I mean, I haven't, the best thing that has ever happened to us, and I all, I've yeah. always maintained that, yeah. it's been very difficult because of the consequently what happened afterwards, etc. But at the time, the I think you know a lot has happened in mental health and attitudes towards situations. Thank God, in twenty two years. But at that time, had I not had the mother that that I've got, had I not had the family support that I had, I would have been rocking in a corner somewhere because I had literally no support from medical professionals from the minute she was born. It was, and and yeah, it's all about the baby, but I'm really sorry to say this. Now people might not agree, but giving birth, I know we are genetically formatted to do that, you know, however, it's still hellish. Mm. Mm. And especially for you when you didn't even do classes. Well, you see, the thing is, 
because my mum's a midwife yeah. and she was a single parent. And my primary school was opposite where she used to have her antenatal classes and things. As a kid, I sat in them and like, I've always been around. And I swear to God, <laughs> that really helped. It kicked in. I think so, yeah. Mm. I remember seeing she had like, you know, the the, um, the pelvis and she used to show the mums how it came through. I remember and like that all came back to us. And... Um, yeah, I think it had that, but I'm look. yeah, I had that. And you do, I mean, it's not as uncommon as people think giving birth without realising it. Again, because I think, you know, for those of us who can give birth naturally, we are genetically formatted that way. Mm. Um, and the body copes with it, doesn't it? Yeah. The, the, the body is an amazing thing. Like it is, it's miraculous. Mm. But it's still very dangerous to give birth. And I know we're all very lucky in that we have hospitals and all the rest of it. But in some places in the world still today, mm. like it can kill you. It can yeah. kill you here, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and it, it takes nine months to, to grow a baby. Mm. And my mum always says it takes nine months to get over that as well. And of course it does, because your hormones are outrageous. You're absolutely exhausted. And then you've got this kid who just won't shut up and who needs fed all the time and who can't even go to the toilet by itself and who you need to wash and like it's wonderful but it's exhausting at the same time yeah. and so in the hospital room and she says that to you did you notice that other people were looking at you differently were you treated differently to the other mothers on the ward yeah I felt very different because I was one of the youngest mm. in that respect um and because I didn't have my own stuff I know that sounds silly, but I didn't, like, I had to have a hospital gown on and, like, I didn't have my own stuff. So that really singled me out as well straight away, to be honest with you. And she didn't have her own stuff and I didn't have my baby with me because she was in Skaboo, you know. Mm. So, so she was down in special care and I couldn't see her because she was all hooked up, even though she'd done really well to survive that long. And they, like, they said, go home, she'll be fine. She was still, you know, having to, couldn't breathe for herself. She was all hooked up and... Um, yeah, and I just, I didn't feel worthy enough to be, to have those feelings of a new mom, if that makes sense, because I hadn't done it right. That's how I felt. I get that. You know, like I hadn't done things, God, how dare I like, and again, I felt guilty because you hear so many stories of women who try to get pregnant for so long and they can't. And there was me, 22, not a care in the world, had done everything wrong. And then I had this beautiful child who, and then the guilt, because that old bitch had come up to us and said, you know, breastfeed her because it's the least you can do after, after what you've done to her. And those words stay with me. And I never said anything. My mum and my auntie had said to me, why didn't you say that to us? Why didn't you let us know? Yeah, I wondered that. Did you tell your mum? I didn't. And she said, I would have annihilated it. And I know she would have done, because she did later on with another one when we got transferred near her home. Um, and she said, why didn't you tell us that? And I think there was so much going on. And I think the guilt, I felt mm. guilt. And, you know, like when you're a mom, you want to just be the best mother you can be all the time. And it kicks in straight away because the minute, I mean, although I didn't, I wasn't prepared, prepared for it, I had no idea that I was going to have this baby. The minute they held her up, upside down, like a navy blue, and she wasn't even breathing, the love you have comes from the tips of your toes and it just engulfs your entire body. Like, it's like a love I have never experienced ever before. That was the first time I knew I was really in love. Like, it's the weirdest feeling in the world, isn't it? Mm. And I just knew from that minute on that that would be it. Like, I would, yeah, I would. I'd go at the ends of the earth for her. Absolutely. And... The, and then I was terrified that she wouldn't live. I had 
the, the emotion of like loving this little thing that I had no idea I was having and then being told she was going to be taken away from me potentially straight away. It was horrible. It was a really, really horrible place to be at the time. I still get emotional now, 22 years late, 21 years later. And, and to have no support for that, that's I, looking back now, I get really, that's what I get angry about. I think it's unforgivable and I mm. hope to God it's changed. And that's why I think it is important to hear stories like this so that people understand what it's like. Cause it, like mm. I said before, it's not as uncommon as people think women do give birth because life takes over and you don't realize sometimes mm. things mm. just happen, you know, we're demonized as well. Oh yeah. Totally. totally. You know, and like, oh, look at the state of them, you know, oh, how dare she, all about herself. And yeah, attitudes were bad. They were bad. So then at what point your mum comes back up the next day? Yeah, with me, Uncle Anthony. And they literally, it was like Christmas, <laughs> Christmas and baby land. <laughs> so we had everything in that. That immediately, I think having them there as well, that immediately made me feel better. My mum got a shower again mm. and she, she just did the mum things. And because you do need looking after, mm. you know, and I got put my own stuff on, like my own dressing gown. Can I ask a question? Me. Sorry, just because yeah. I'm here. Uh-huh. This. But like, what was it like? Because I always, I think as well, because I feel a bit guilty about the situation. What was it like, you know, when like everyone went home and you were just alone in the room? Like, I, I think that must just have been awful. It was. It was awful, but I think I was so exhausted that night that I literally just went to sleep. Yeah. I slept that night mm. um, and obviously, it, you know, we just had, you know, the bricks, the mobile phones at the time. Mm. And my mum rang us the next morning and she said, I'm coming down with you, Uncle Anthony. And I was so happy because they'd brought me breakfast in. But again, nobody actually, not one of them sat and just said, how are you feeling this morning? Is everything all right? How are you? Nothing. I got toast and a cup of tea and then told that I'd be able to go down and see you in about half an hour. And that was it. And the other mum is in the ward? I was in a room on my own at this oh, point. Really? They put okay. me in a room on my own because I didn't have the baby with us. That must uh-huh. have been tough though as well. Like to I, I was kind of isolated. isolated. Yeah, to isolate you like yeah. that. Because yeah. even though there wasn't, there was other mums with babies and yeah, obviously mm-hmm. maybe they thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah. But at the same time, you're 22. You've just had the most horrific experience. Yeah, because, it was, yeah, it was, it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and you're alone. Yeah. And nobody wants to know, are How, you okay? Yeah, yeah. That's the big thing. And I think, had I been asked if I was okay, it probably would have alleviated a lot of the issues that I felt going on with, mm-hmm. with you know, bringing Searsha up and all the rest of it. Because I think the deep-seated trauma was kind of made worse by the fact that I was made to feel guilty, whether it was consciously or subconsciously by medical professionals for giving birth in those circumstances when I had no control over it, actually. Mm-hmm. And that was the, that's been the precipice for all of the trauma that we've experienced as a result of it. Mm-hmm. And trauma comes in lots of different ways, and it's really been traumatic. But it's also been a wonderful journey. Don't get us wrong. But it's been yeah. trauma has been the underlying yeah. thing, really, yeah. for both of us. It's just that subconscious, know? like you're not worthy of like me wanting to know how you feel. Yeah, and yeah. and and it's really weird, actually, isn't it? Like like you experienced that when I was born. And like, I've experienced that with all like the medical things as well. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's very like mirror image and, and all you, that's ha- happened to you as well. Like, yeah. the same. but that's kind of been our common theme in this mm-hmm. journey has been like, you know, like I am worthy of being listened to. And yes, I haven't been in a war zone or being shot or whatever, but it's traumatic a lot 
enough, and yeah. this is what you, we need to be very careful with. We need to make sure that we that your story is valid, other people's stories are valid, and your trauma is your trauma. Yeah. And we shouldn't make distinctions on other people's traumas because no. mm-hmm. yours is very real to you, yeah. and very valid. But we do, and we do that. We go, okay, but oh, God help her, but God help me. Yeah, you know? that's our lives to a T. We do, we say, oh, but I'm all right, it's fine, it's fine. And actually, mm-hmm. you've got to say, actually, I'm not all right. Mm. I feel yeah. bloody awful today. I'm remembering stuff like it's, it's leading up to her birthday and while I, I, the, the birth, her day is her day like I remember the, what happened leading up to it and how bad I felt and what could have been and for a mother as well for me I think God what, it could have been so different I mightn't have had her she might yeah. have survived and that is a real thing as well when you've been so close to losing somebody who is mm-hmm. your absolute world it's always in the back of your mind mm. yeah it, it, for me it is anyway yeah. and that's really real yeah. you know of course it is uh-huh. but like of course and then course. A co- compounded with all of our medical stuff as yeah. a result of that you're constantly reminded of the fragility of yeah. life have you actually had therapy together no no i've had therapy for different like really i've had therapy for like the side effects of the whole thing but never my birth story doesn't seem like it's about me but i have a lot of the feelings of it, if that makes sense. So you have you not processed your birth story? I think, yeah, and I think I only see, like, I've always been known as, like, a dramatic child, like a bit of an attention whore and all. Because <laughs> I was the only child I loved performing and blah, blah. So I, I, I get, I, you know, it was, and that probably is a defence mechanism, but I'm like, oh, well, it wasn't it dramatic and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, and I, and I know I definitely haven't come to terms with, like, my diagnosis and processed it. Because it's, it's, for all it being 20 years ago, it still feels like an everyday thing, doesn't it? Yeah. It's very, Defin- very yeah. raw still. Yeah. Because it took so long to get then to get the diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. So then take it back and we'll go back to, so mm-hmm. take it back to your mum's in the hospital with you so, and Anthony. And obviously she'd rang her dad as well, who was over in the Canaries at the time. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, let, let's not forget about There's him. so much, isn't there? So, does he find out and were you in a relationship oh or? yes we were yeah okay. uh-huh. mm. um, my mum rang him obviously straight after she, uh, yeah she must have done she rang yeah. him st- so he was working over there in yeah. the bars uh-huh. and you yeah. were working over there and I was going over to mm. live over there and and um, she rang him and he was just like what the fuck <laughs> you know what I mean as yeah. you would be um, anyway he got on the first flight over and he came over to Leeds and we both were just like Shit, <laughs> this is just mental. Did you, you tell my Gran? Grandma told him, and then he <laughs> rang me, and I was, he was like, "I'm coming over. I'm coming straight over." Um, what was that reunion like? Uh, it was strange. It did put a strain on things. Um, I don't know if I should say this or not, but he, no, he did say like, "She's definitely mine, isn't she?" And, and that I was absolutely livid at that point, as you can imagine. Mm. And you only had to look at it as a baby; she just like. I know she looks like me, but as a baby, she was the face and hands of him. And I was like, well, I think you can just tell, you know. Mm. That. And then we got over all the shock and everything. And he was there for quite a while. Um, and he was just back and forward then, obviously, because I couldn't move her because we didn't know what was going on. Um, so then she got through another couple of days and she was doing really, really well. And then they said, oh, well, look, we feel she'll be stable enough if a nurse travels with you to transfer you to closer to home to the Queen Elizabeth and Gateshead. 
And I was I was delighted at that point. That made me feel better. Mm. So the day that we were getting transferred, um, I was just in a little black skirt. And it was even, even though it was like end of July, beginning of August, I was because I was I had lost so much weight. I was so skinny anyway. And then I was in so much shock with everything. And I had gone right down um, and I just had a little skirt on and I had a black polo neck on in the height of bloody summer. And it was a really hot summer that year. <laughs> And I was waiting by the ambulance and the ambulance driver was like, where the hell's this mother? I go, oh, for God's sake. And it didn't dawn on me that he was actually talking about me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he said, you know, the bends and the incubator were waiting for her, blah, blah, blah. And then the nurse came down and she went, are you not in the, uh, come on, Carmel, sit down, you shouldn't be standing. And he went, that's the mom. <laughs> oh my God. And she went, yeah, yeah. He went, where, how, how old's the baby? She went, oh man. And then he was, oh, then he read the notes, he went, Oh my God, pet, get in, get in, sit down, are you all right? And he was great, like, and it was, that was, it was quite nice, the journey. I remember that vividly and it was a nice journey up, actually, because the nurse was lovely who I was with. She was really nice and I, I think she was deliberately put in with me by the big man upstairs to, to say, you know, it's going to be okay. Mm. And that was kind of like the turning point. I knew going back home, home would be, it was going to be all right and I could see me friends and family could come into the hospital and make it a bit more normal and, and happy. Mm. a happy mm. experience especially she was doing so well now at this stage mm. um and so, was it a big story like your friends and all were they like <gasps> oh they couldn't get over it uh, i mean one of my best friends at uni at the time emma she's like but i only saw you three days ago and you were like what this is ridiculous and then my little my cousin philippa she's five years younger than me and she came in and she just cried and cried and cried and cried when she's seen it my sister and my brother-in-law came straight up my sister's a teacher so as soon as she finished school, they came up with like a year's supply of nappies and everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, Claire used to send the rest of them all out and we would just lie in the bed and she would just look at her. She's like, just look at her. She's bloody hell, I can't believe you've done this. I was like, I know, neither can I. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had some lovely times. And then um, Sirius's dad and his sister came over as well again. So he was back and forth all the time, which was great. Um, and yeah, it was actually, it was quite a nice time. Mm-hmm. To be surrounded by, like, my people was really yeah. lovely, you and know. And I think just to spin, like, a positive, like, mm-hmm. on the birth, like, like this is a baby, like, you know. Oh, God, it was, yeah. like, the best news ever. We hadn't had a baby in the family for such a long time. I think our, me cousin Anthony was the last one, you know, and he was, yeah. like, you know, in his late 20s, at that, early 20s at that stage. So it was all, like, oh, wow, this is amazing, you know. And everybody just kind of came together. And I had a lovely room in the QE. It was a little bit like a hotel room. So I was, like, <laughs> loving life, being in there and getting my head round it all. And... The staff there were really good. And I, my mum knew indirectly a few of the nursing staff. And God forgive us, but I know that definitely helped. Yeah. And they knew she was a midwife, so they wouldn't have put a foot wrong, you see. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. yeah. And imagine if someone who didn't have that support, how they would have been treated in that moment. And that's why I think I find, I think it's, you know, things happen to you for a reason. And I definitely believe this has happened to us to be advocates for this mm. because there's so many things in life. Now, life is not easy. It's a wonderful life. But I think we all have our little, we all have our trials and tribulations. Absolutely. And until we all start to share them and say, actually, you know, this was really bloody hard and it's OK that it was hard mm-hmm. because here's how I managed Mm-hmm. hopefully you'll learn something from my experience mm-hmm. we'll have to do that now yeah I think people measure things in such extremes as well so like things are only like 
bad if they're really bad yeah, yeah. but i think like as well what is what's affected me more is like what i said before like having to go from like a hospital appointment where you get like bad news to then just go back to school and everything's fine yeah and oh it's God. like and just kind of it's the day-to-day things that break it you only ever see literal snapshots of people's lives oh yeah that it's that you can be like well everything's fine in their life and when i go and see them they're all happy and smiling mm. and it's like you God, no, like, because I know when I tell people or when people look at us and they're just like, well, you've got the life of Riley. And it's like, and sometimes, like, sometimes I do and it's great. But then it's like, bloody hell, some days I'd, I'm just like, I'm falling apart inside. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not like falling apart as in I can't get out of bed. It's egg, and it's like mental exhaustion is like, oh, I wish like I had somebody else just to rely on for once. Or I wish like I had somebody outside of the situation I could talk to. It, mm-hmm. You know, it's little things like that. How do you feel, Carmel, when she says stuff like that? I, it makes you feel guilty as a mom because you think, God, have I not done enough? But then I also think I'm really glad that she can voice that mm-hmm. as well because I think that's so mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. that she's been brought mm-hmm. up with a, you, your voice is so valid and you have yeah. a, you, you've got to say that. Yeah. And what you say is so true. I think we all go on and on and on and just if I can just get through today if I can just carry mm-hmm. on doing this if I can just do that and then you get to the point where you just collapse in a heap and yeah. that's happened to both yeah. of us yeah. and the heap has been a big yeah. heap of yeah. hasn't it and I you think know? it's the difference as well between surviving and thriving so like uh, I think as well we all like to put fronts on and um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say but it, it is that thing of like I know without everything that's happened to me, I would live a very surface level life and I am like a deep feeler and I am very um, empathetic with people, but that's only because I've had to, I've went, like my emotions go deep because I've had to experience like Mm -hmm. pain that makes that. And I'm, and like, yes, it, it was awful. And, you know, like I say, like, I think we both feel both of us feel diff the same emotions, but from different perspectives. Mm. And, um, and I think that does, make it it brings us closer as well but I think it allows like just as much pain as you feel you also feel the same amount of happiness and connection and we always say don't we I'm so so grateful for this situation because you are like my best friend like then let's go back to you being in Gateshead how long more did you stay there and in a, a month another month and then when did you name her Oh, we named it when our dad came over to Leeds. Right. Um, and I was thinking, oh, God, you know, because she was Alice O'Malley um, for so long. Because yeah. Alice was my grandma's name and I always loved Alice. And I said, right, if I, have, if, I always had, if I had a girl, it was either Grace or Alice. And when mm-hmm. you were born and everybody was referring to you as Alice in Wonderland because of yeah. the way she was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, um, her dad wanted Kate because after his mother, who is no longer with us, sadly, she wasn't with us at that point either. Um, and I was like, mm-hmm. I wanted something that was really unique to, to her. And even though I'd named it Alice, I was like, yeah, I would always have that as a, a second name, really, because I think it's important to have your own identity as well. So when we were going through names and when we, we had a book of Irish names, because I was like, she's got to have an Irish name. Mm. And when I seen Searsha and what it stood for and how it was, you know, freedom and free spirit, I was like, yeah, that's you. Mm. Definitely. Mm. So that's when I name, 
But her original baptism certificate, she's Alice O'Malley. <laughs> oh my God. Obviously, because she was baptised, yeah, just the very day. Yeah. Jesus, that's gas. Uh-huh. And a little hospital band is Alice yeah. O'Malley as well, my first one. It's like about that bit. It's like. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but there were signs from the minute she was born um, that obviously she'd experienced some damage, to mm. put it bluntly, through the birth, you know? Because obviously when she was, you know, first, when she first popped out, she was, wasn't was breathing. So she was starved of oxygen for quite a long time when I look back. Because um, obviously we're working on her for quite some time. And I never, she didn't cry. There was no cry from her. She was just put straight onto ventilation and, and you know, they tried to get the, the air into her and clear her lungs out. Mm. Um, so what they kind of dined out on was our relation that she had survived. Yeah. Mm. And that she then fed. Um, but she, as a baby, could never go to the toilet. Like, okay. just didn't go. My mum was in my ear all the time. She said, there's something not right, there's something not right, there's something not right. What did your mum say? What was what was she concerned about? That she wasn't going to the bathroom. She's like, no, this is not normal. Like, babies, mm. you know, the meconium and everything has to come out first, which... She, you see, I didn't say that, and they must have done it, extracted it manually themselves, because obviously it has to come out. Come out, yeah. Um, and then, um, and she just wasn't parting with anything as a baby, just nothing. You know, she was sick quite a lot, though. Right. Um, so that's why she was still very just long and thin. And obviously, there was. Luckily, she was breastfed because had she been bottle fed, it might have seen, noticed it sooner. Like you don't know what's you know what was good or not. Um, she had terrible reflux because of her swallowing, because obviously her muscles in yeah. her weren't formed properly, yeah. and all the rest of it. So that was really hard. Um, but as the months went on, she was putting on weight, and she was doing really. She was doing yeah. really well, to be quite honest with yeah. you, considering. Um, so then we decided that when I got the cl- all clear to travel with you, which is the end of October, we all decided that we'd all, the whole family from Newcastle and a family in Ireland, we would get her baptised again, like we'd do the, the show mm. baptism yeah. over in Offaly and we had a big hullabaloo and it was great. Like mm. there was hundreds of it and it was really, it was a great way to bring everybody together, to be mm. honest. It was lovely. And then... Obviously, we were back and forward for checkups constantly, and we got put in with this consultant um, at one of the hospital, one of the biggest hospitals, the Great North Children's Hospital. And initially, we thought he was brilliant, and mm. he was really good. And she, again, there was real problems with her whole kind of like system, your bowels and her bladder and everything. And considering her birth now, I'm really angry at them because they didn't do things properly, as far as I can see. Um, and he had her in and out and she had to have like operations to stretch. You know, like yeah. again, that age and yeah. oh God. And again, yeah. my Uncle Anthony took us into hospital, dropped her off and he stayed with her for a bit and he could hear her. He said, I heard the blood curdling scream because she couldn't, wasn't given any anaesthetic or anything yeah. like that. And he heard her screaming when he was walking down the corridor. And I always remember him saying that to me and Gran. Mm. Um so, she's, so even that's traumatic because your body yeah. doesn't forget. And I think we've been, yeah. you know, we, mm-hmm. we've got to realise this, that the body doesn't forget yeah. the trauma. Mm-hmm. And it started so young with Searsha, unfortunately, you know. And I, I was 22 when I went through one of the biggest traumas of my life, mm. you know. Mm. And your body holds on to it. Yeah. Definitely does. Um, so that's when all of the hospital trauma started at that point yeah. because that wasn't, none of How that was working. She? she was under one, just okay. under one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we 
were back and forward to hospital. Because they've, throughout the course of like a, a, a short little life, mm. she has been misdiagnosed as well. Yeah. Um, so we had all of this going on and she was a tiptoe walker. Now, you know, you said yeah, yeah. they do walk on their tiptoes, mm. especially in the wheeling around and baby walkers. Mm. But she was like, I mean, prime candidate for Irish dancing. Yeah. Because on the blocks without the blocks. Do yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Right on the toes. And just would be prancing around. I'm like, how the hell are you doing that? Yeah. And we, me mum was like, this, this, she suspected it was CP. Yeah. But um, What is CP? Cerebral palsy. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, only took 14 years to get a diagnosis. And what causes cerebral palsy? It's generally a premature birth or a lack of oxygen to the brain during the birth, generally. It can be caused by accidents um, and like a hypoxia situation like later on in life. Mm. But generally speaking, it's a birth and it's the trauma of, and lack of oxygen starvation and to the brain. Yeah. Then going back to the operation she had... And it took you 14 years. So what was happening in that? So in, so when she was, t- she was tiptoe walking, the reflux, she was, she would literally in, in the buggy, even as like a toddler, she'd put her fingers down her throat and make herself sick. God. You know, and I, I God, and I look back now, I, I was so young and like, you know, you're just trying to live a life. And I was, she would often do it. Now I'd lose my temper with her. I would shop one day and she'd done it again and, I was like, oh my God, Sirisha, what are you doing that for? It was because she couldn't swallow. Like, obviously, she was such a thirsty child. Like, water's yeah. been your... Like, I remember I would always have to go to bed with a drink. Mm. Like, it was just constantly thirsty. And basically, if when you look back at it now, they literally treated every every other symptom. Other, As a standalone. Yeah, but mm-hmm. other than the actual main thing. They didn't join the dots. Yeah. There was no, no there's none. been no lateral thinking. And I think that's a problem with healthcare systems globally, unfortunately, at the minute, because yeah. it is a business now mm. rather than a, a holistic kind yeah. of, mm. you know, service, which it should yeah. be, which mm. is another reason why we yeah. feel and I the, think, the pressure to advocate, yeah. really, don't we, you know? For me, especially as well, I, I often, because you kind of, well, you were told, I'll let you tell that story, mm-hmm. but like, because you're kind of told, Oh, and even like to this day, because of how I look with the CP, it's like, oh, but it's mild. Oh, oh but you know, you can do this. For me, um, I really underplay. It, it takes, you know, you'd be like, but Sasha, you've been through so much. And, you know, these symptoms are really big and stuff. But to me, I, I underplay myself. And it's like, oh, well, it's not that big. Like, you know. Because you can die from cerebral palsy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you can, you can, there's lots of, there's, it's a spectrum. Yeah. It's like autism, I suppose, to an extent. Yeah. And you've got common underlying factors, but the severity of it. And I hate using that word because if you've got pain, you've got pain. Yeah. You know, and I don't think it makes any difference to, you know, one pain is no different to the other if you're living with it constantly. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it, it is like, it's a, it's on a spectrum and yeah, you, you can, I mean, like, you know, 50 years ago, if you were born with CP, the odds were you weren't going to have a long life. Yeah. You know? And I think what's hard as well is like, I I don't know another person with my type of CP. So I've never seen another person who looks like me with CP. And I think it's like, you know, I've like wearing splints and, and, you know, and like it is like for my age as well, like it's, it's embarrassing the treatments that you have to go through. And it's like no young person would choose to do this just in this world it's how the brain works you just think everything that happens to you is your fault and you've somehow caused it well that kind of was a big mm-hmm. thing for me it really like degrades like your whole sense of self 
tell me when you say that you, you look like you, what yes. does the, the average CP person look like? Well, um, I'll take it back actually, because when I was diagnosed that day, when she said cerebral palsy, the first thing I saw was like an old fashioned, like the 1980s, like hospital posters with a boy in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, but that's not me. Like I can walk, like I can, fair enough, I can't walk long um, periods of time, but I can pass as you want. Like I'm, I'm yeah. like normal. Standards but, with, yeah. But take it back to primary school and even pre-primary school, you know, things like, you know, PE were very difficult yeah. for you. Right? Uh, it's it does it affect, what does cerebral palsy affect? Like what? Well, it can affect basically every muscle in your body because it's a muscle coordination. Like it's neurological. Yeah. Because of the scarring on the brain, the messages can't get through. So you have like different types of cerebral palsy. So mine's spastic, which is the spasticity of my muscles and how tight or how loose they are. For me, it's tight. Um, my muscles are tighter than the average person's. Then you have like ataxia where the messages are kind of on and off. So you they can kind of like jump, you're kind of jumpy and you can be shaky because it's like a, it's like a, um, you know, like a signal. Like a sh- yeah. Break yeah. yeah. It's like that on and off. But for me, it's spastic. Um, in the fact that, you know, like my muscles are very, very tight. Um, so I'm, I have to take, I'm, I take medication every single day and I will until the day I die. Um, and I take muscle relaxants and painkillers because obviously it's kind of like, you know, you can't get one without the other because of the tightness of my muscles that get sore. Um, but so I'll run like through the main ways it affects me. So, um, I'm dyspraxic and that was one of the first diagnoses I received, um, which, it's, it's kind of because that is a neurological issue and it's to do with like coordination as well. Um, and fine motor skills. Fine motor skills, yeah. And I, you know, I could never write for long periods of time. Like um, before I got diagnosed, I was always known as have like one lot of handwriting at the beginning of the test and like another at the end. I could never finish on time. Always had like really, really bad hand cramp. Um, just and, and sitting. I, yeah, sitting. My mother, actually, when I was, first diagnosed and getting all the treatment my knuckles like I like my knuckles go down I've only got you can only really see two of my knuckles out of the five um so I have to wear splints for that and like you know that they were trying to push them back up and everything and your hands were going yeah anywhere, hands were going um then my legs obviously like because my muscles are so tight I walked on my tiptoes and I could never put my foot down so I've had surgery which they cut my gastric muscles and stretched them and Achilles and Achilles and I had that done on both legs at the same time and then before I was diagnosed when I was 12 um I, I had knock knees which is another classic sign so I had metal plates put on my knees so that when I grew with they'd like um rotate my knees outwards and then I when I was about 13 um I had them taken out um I one and like people with cerebral palsy, obviously, because there is that extra pressure on the body and um, the immune system is quite weak. So um, f- for a long time, and it was to do as well, because we were just so run down with hospitals and everything. I got like really bad chest infections, but like back to back to back. You had pleurisy. I had pleurisy yeah, and I was like coughing up black stuff. It was awful. Um, and I was just given antibiotics, but nothing really happened. So consequently, I have scarring on my lung. Um, so that's bronchiectasis and I like use a nebulizer for as and when I need it. There's never been a stage in my life where I've just been like non-hospital, like normal. Nobody's, no one medical professional I personally feel has like not thought I was being overdramatic. 
even in primary school, luckily her her reception class teacher was a friend of mine from me Irish dancing days. And, you know, she was just, mm. she said, oh, she takes herself off for a sleep every afternoon, but I just let her do it. This is like at four and five years of age still, because our little body was so exhausted. And I knew this. So, you know, she was back and forward. We used to go to this place called Biomechanics because of her tiptoe walking. And she was in and out of splints. Yeah. They would stretch her heels right down. Oh, uh-huh. you've seen nothing but like it. But then as soon as I'd go, I'd be back to square one. Back up on her toes again. And this went on for years. The waste of time. Stretching. Mm-hmm. And, and the inconvenience, like not being able to participate in things like the rest of our friends could, you know, Purely because people couldn't be bothered or asked mm-hmm. to look into things properly, you know? But looking... But- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. not like looking any different so it was kind of like oh like Seisha you're like why can't you do this yeah and like at school the teachers and stuff didn't really get it either like especially with the the dyspraxia and stuff and I was really cross with her I changed our primary school actually because of that Mm. um because they they used to call her the clumsy child I was livid. I'm an educator. You don't use that language. We didn't yeah. use it then. Yeah. You know, I was absolutely livid. Um, there was clearly something not right. And it was their job as well as the medical professionals to look into that because that's what we were trained in. To, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to help diagnose autism, dyspraxia, all of that kind of stuff. 
Um, and that's why I think because of my background, I knew as well, and my mum knew as well, and with the two of us, had we not had that background in the will to keep fighting, she would never have been diagnosed. So how many other kids are undiagnosed still mm-hmm. because of this? God knows you where know? I would be. Like I would have to start self-medicating somewhere just for the sheer pain yeah. that I was in. Yeah. And you, know? you were in pain, were you? Oh, yeah. And she used to bang her head on the floor as a kid as well because she had so much cerebral irritation. She would bang her head on the floor as a, you know, like as a toddler because mm. she had no other way of getting mm-hmm. it out, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden she was 14, well, 13, 14. And mm. we've been it was back December. and forward. It, yeah, it was December the it was- 3rd. We've been back and forward and we'd met this paediatrician at one of the local hospitals who I can't even say the word that I'd call him on here, but he's absolutely horrific. And he sat with me and he said... Um, Oh, well, prior to this, she'd been tested for lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, you name it. There were, you know, thought there was yeah. all sorts going and it, on. And it was everything like that. And also just to note as well, a week before um, my GCSEs, which is like um, before the leaving cert. Mm. Junior cert. Junior cert. Junior cert, yeah. I was in hospital for that full week having all these tests done and nothing coming up, like nothing. And he said, well, I'll give you an MRI, Miss O'Malley, if it'll shut you up because you're just an overanxious first time mother, I suspect. And that was the second him. time you were called that? It was, yeah. I could have boxed him. I, f- I just stood up when I went, it, tell you what, tell you one thing, I want the MRI, but it won't shut me up. Oh my God. Never saw him again since. Because, and he's been let go because they were probably terrified we would sue when our results came back. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can see the MRI to this that, day. The MRI happened in the bloody April, like, and then we had to wait till the December to get an appointment with the neurologist paediatrician. And when the letter came, I looked at Maria, my mom, and she said, it's cerebral palsy. She said, you're not, you wouldn't go and see a neurologist for any other reason. I hadn't heard it from the, the consultant, so I blocked it out. I think because right. I hadn't had it confirmed from, the, and I didn't see anything to see or show. No, I was totally oblivious though. Like, and like, it was the, con, in what uh, you brought up before of, I work full time, single parent, because obviously our dad and I split up after she was just over a year old. It just didn't work. It was too much pressure and we had very different ideas of parenting. And um, so I was on my own. And when you're working full time and you're engulfed in this world of back and forth at hospitals and trying to keep normal life going and a smile on your face for your child, you know, who's got all this going on, it's really hard. Mm. And we've been back and forth, back and mm-hmm. forth, back and forth so much. And again, you get good at just blocking out the crap, yeah, don't 100%. you? Because um, you have to, as you'd, you wouldn't do anything with your life. But that uh-huh. day changed everything, didn't that it? That day, like, mm-hmm. you know when, and I never understood it, but you know when people are like, that day changed my life. Like, and I, it's only recently that I realised, like, the gravity of that day. Mm-hmm. Because... I think, and I'm always that type of person when I'm in a situation and it is the whole like fight or flight thing, I just get through it. And it's after something happens that it hits me. So it's that's yeah. Mm-hmm. So that day basically. So, and we get to the hospital and then, um, we got in and I, I saw the, the consultant and I was like, Oh, she looks like me granny. She looks ancient. She's going to be like, Oh, what's mm. the point in this again? I've wasted, mm. had to take an afternoon off work for this. Mm. I was dead judgmental. You know, terrible well, of course thing to you were, though, after all what was happening to you. And she was gold dust. Really? She that was, woman, like, oh, she's I'm going to cry. Honestly, 
She changed. Well, I yeah. she did. We walked in and she was like, "Hi, hi, take a seat." Take so a seat. friendly, like that face, like that's a face that you want to be met with. Oh, she was yeah. great. And there was the physiotherapist in the room as well, and I knew. I thought, oh hell, we've got a, an audience here. You know, this is mm. definitely going to go. And uh, she just said, "Can I just say I need to apologise?" I was like, "Sweet mother of God, this yeah. is." And I said, "What for?" She said, I'm, "I'm really sorry that you've had to go through what you've gone through." For so long. Um, oh, sorry. You're and Because um, they did give you such a hard life. Oh, it was horrendous. They, it was they, horrendous. Yeah. They made you, they must have made you feel like well, I was you were mad. Well, I was threatened with Munchausen's and everything, social services to take our offers. Like they, they kept saying it was me and that I just wanted the attention and I was over anxious first time mum and I had to grow up. I had to get a grip. And obviously then you, when you're threatened with like social services and you think, go me job as well. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They must have treated you like a child. That's they the did. And I think that was what I really kind of like took umbrage at as well. Um, that they didn't validate, like, it doesn't matter how old you are as a mum. Thank you. Um, you know, you're a mother. You mm. know your child. A mother knows a child like mm. you do. Mm. Um, so... She she sat down and she just said, um, okay, she says, we've got the results of your MRI. And she said, you, you've got a lot of damage, didn't she? Yeah, and you at know? this point, I think, looking back, I was preparing myself because I never really looked up. I just got that vibe, like, it was it was more more serious than I thought. And at the same time, I was just like, I can't be arsed. Like, <laughs> do you know what I, I mean? I was just like, oh, I just can't be bothered. And, and then I think, I think I knew that I was going to get an answer. And I think as well, you know, like, when you want something for so long, I think when it actually comes, you're like, actually, ignorance is a bit bliss. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Looking back now, like... When I don't have my baclofen now, I I can't. Like, I can't do it. So God knows how I got through that time. Like, I I have no... And, and I'd always been, like, an anxious child. And I think, no bloody wonder, because I was just, like, with the tightness and the yeah. muscles and everything. Like, if I don't have it now, it's it's horrendous. So, yeah, I was just, like, I was tired. You know what it was? I was tired of being the seizure that I was. And when she told you... Because she was really good. She spoke to you, yeah. which I loved as well. She wasn't all just to me because mm. it's about her. Mm. And she was yeah. like a, a young woman at that yeah. stage. It had mm. gone on that long. Yeah. Um, but I still felt like a child, very much so. Of yeah. course. But I think I kept my, like, in, you know, me, I'm, I, was, was, I was raised by strong women. I am a strong woman. But I, I think in that type of thing, I, I did, it was the whole block and now I was ignorant to it. And I was just like, look, like, mom, like, you know, this is medical stuff. Like I, I, I had the capability of understanding it, but I just, it was this whole dissoci- dissociation. Like yeah. I was just like, yeah. But you said to Mrs. Gazavi, you said to her, you said, can I see the MRI? Yeah. So was she, is this when they found the scarring and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. They'd done the MRI and she had like both sides of her brain are both Thick affected, white. which is quite unusual. Yeah. And she said, your actual diagnosis is bilateral spastic cerebral palsy involving both legs. She said, how are your hands as well? And you were saying, my hands are really yeah. bad. She went, okay, so. And time stood still, didn't it? Yeah. It well, was, it did, literally, yeah. we were there for three hours. We delayed a whole clinic. She didn't rush, she was, because we needed it. When the suede cerebral palsy, when she said it, it was kind of an unspoken, like, yeah. like, it was like that. And I just remember, like, I remember thinking, like, Mom, please don't cry. Mom, please don't cry. I did cry. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I'm sure you did. You probably cried with relief and cried for your daughter in the last years that you yeah. have had together, you know? It, it was it was a mixture of emotions. Yeah. I, and 
then we were literally from that minute it felt like our feet didn't touch yeah. the ground because the physio was waiting mm-hmm. there she had a prescription ready as well to for her, you've got to start this medication today because then it was like wham bam and they were playing catch up yeah mm-hmm. and she'd had the eight plates put in her knees by again an, an angel yeah um Mr. Dekeevit, and he was just, oh my God. Oh, that man. Between Gazavi and Dekeevit, I don't know where you would be. No. You know, when you meet two mm. people, people who, who change your life. And like, they literally did. Yeah. Um, and this is the weirdest thing. And it must have been because he saw your notes and the CP had been added to your notes. Because after we'd had that diagnosis and everything of the cerebral palsy and... But we're back and forward and they were trying to... Yeah, and everything, Because I'd actually gone, for a lot of the treatments, I'd actually passed the stages. Right. She wasn't eligible anymore yeah. for them. She'd grown out of what work it would have done. You know, there's, there's a, a pioneering treatment that can actually revolutionise lives of patients with cerebral palsy. Now, it doesn't work for everybody, but it works mm-hmm. in the vast majority of cases if you get it as a child. And it's yeah. called selective dorsal rhizotomy. And what they do is they go, it's a very, it's a, it's a very complicated operation, yeah. but they've done it for a while now. And they basically go into the spine and they do all, it's to do with the spinal cord and the, you know, neurological bits and pieces and they literally switch back on the part of the brain that switched itself off at birth it's mad kids who couldn't walk before can learn to walk like it's that's how pioneering it is but obviously it costs a fortune Mm. and like anything you know you're only a number aren't you Mm. and And how much how much are you worth mm -hmm. and i think people Mm -hmm. thought i was good enough yeah like you should just be thankful for X, Y, and like, God, I am like, I'm so thankful I, I am the way I am. And I'm not going to lie, like, because one of the reasons I want to share the story as well is because how it affected me, like mental health wise, like mm. I just went like yeah. down, like d- depression. Um, I had like emotional outbursts. And so when did you have this? Straight away, really, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Like, because I felt like life had gone so far out of my control because at that time as well, like all this was going on and then my grandma got sick and my grandma was like my like second parent. Like she is like so, so close. So I was like, everything that I'd known was just going Changed so wrong. Night, so, it? so wrong. Yeah. So then I started to develop um, and really like really, really bad OCD. Because I just, it was the whole thing of like, well, if I do this, then this will be better. And if I do this this many times, then this will be, it was just trying to go back to that time. How did that manifest itself? Um, cleanliness. cleanliness. And I don't, I don't want to like say specific things because whenever I would hear something, I would adopt it as my own pattern. Okay. So, but I'd be in like the, did yeah. do people do that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, that's what I would personally mm-hmm. do. Cause I'd be like, well, I'll add this thing into the mix because I didn't try that before and it didn't work. So, you know. Okay. She yeah. was, it was horrendous it was it just, horrific and it i think that's an important thing as well it robs every part of you so like my yeah. personality went my social life went like and it was like god like i've lost another thing like but at the same time i couldn't help it because i was in so much like emotional physical pain i just yeah i wanted something to take my mind off and b i was like come on there has to be like a, a way to make this better b you know i have to be able to do something to take this all around just as this was caused it can be uncaused like you know not realizing and because I just wasn't getting my head around it it was so complex to me at the time because it was such a shock yeah just so and you were offered counseling and therapy for the OCD yeah but never for the cerebral palsy diagnosis which is just ludicrous isn't it Mm. you Uh know because that's a symptom that's not the cause 
Like, mm. do you know what I mean? So I'd be in the shower for like an hour. Oh, like, God. I'd honestly, I'd be on the verge of tears. I was suicidal. Like, I was suicidal. Yeah, you got Did she the, change overnight? Oh, literally overnight. She um, became quite aggressive yeah. as well, which is, as you can see, is just not in her personality at yeah. all. Like, I hated everything. I, hate, I was I hated so angry. everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was angry at myself. I was angry at other people, but I couldn't say why. Like, it just... It really was. And then you kind of get mad at yourself and you're like, why did you get like that? Like, why couldn't you just be a person who just kind of got on with things? And it's like, I think a lot of this journey as well has been self-acceptance and self-forgiveness. Like, because, you know, when you're going through something, it is that survival thing. And for me, because as well, this has been a huge thing for us. We just run on nerves, like... I, like for so long we struggled to get out of bed unless it we felt stressed like for me sometimes feeling stressed is like my comfort zone because mm. it's just like that adrenaline that keeps you going so I needed that at that time and like that gave it to me and how long did you have the OCD for how long did that last two and a half years yeah. three years yeah. then you said you were suicidal so. yeah I just you know what it is for me I didn't want to end my life I didn't want to die, but I just wanted everything to stop. I was just like, I just want this to stop. Like, because, but at the same time, because I think as a child, like I knew I was different. I never felt good enough. So it was the whole, like, I don't want life to be as it was before. I don't want life to be as it was now. And I don't want to go into the future with all this diagnosis and everything. I just don't want to be here. And like, that's the thing. I was never... Like, I never wanted to die. I just didn't want to live. And I know that's not... You didn't want to continue yeah. on the uh-huh. journey that yeah. you had ahead of you. Yeah. And it was it was really weird. Like, I remember once, like, we were going down to visit my aunt, you know, I was just so, like... I was annoyed that I couldn't have a normal life. Like, as normal as in, like, not have a health problem. I was annoyed that it turned us into what it had. And I just thought, like, we're on the train. I just thought, if I literally threw myself off this train, I wouldn't even be bothered. It's like, and I know that's so like, apathetic. She yeah. Was so, had no excitement, no lust for anything. Yeah. Just was, I think you were just exhausted. Uh-huh. The OCD really took its yeah. toll because it, that was, and I was exhausted through that as well. And then, yeah. And I think as well, because like a lot of my life, a lot of the events that had happened in my life, I had no choice in. And I know nobody does anyway, but I hadn't like, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of things happened to me, mm. not not like not I not by you yes yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that that was it so the OCD was your control yeah you trying to take yeah. back some yeah. of the control yeah. in your life yeah and then did you know that she was suicidal or was that yeah hidden? and I had to it got to the point where I mean I'd be ringing the doctors and asking for help and because mental health even back then it's only yeah. really in the last I would say really in the last four or five mm-hmm. years that we've yeah. really become yeah. aware of you know mm-hmm. like others others like the health service and other services have become really good with it and I'd be ringing them up and it, yeah they gave you know they were like oh so they we'll put her on here's the you know the the number to ring for the yeah. children and young persons you know referral service because you had to refer yourself mm. and I remember ple- I was literally pleading with them on the phone I said you've got to see her and uh, you wouldn't come. I wouldn't go. And I literally, physically dragged her in the car, locked oh. the car doors immediately, thought, bloody hell, how am I going to drive it? She kicks off in the car, but I just thought, I have to do it because it's now or never, because I didn't know what else I could do at this point. I'd done everything that we could think of. It gets this, it's like, and I'm not going to lie, like, I, I, I would say like the OCD is like gone. And I have to say like, if anyone's struggling with anything like this, like um, cognitive behavioural therapy, oh my God, it's like, 
magic. It's like, well, it's worked for me. Yeah, it worked for you, didn't but it? I'm not going to lie. There's still times where I'm like apathetic now because it all, it's just very exhausting. Like, especially when you are like, you know, trauma is the event, but trauma doesn't stop at the event. Mm-hmm. It, like I said before, it's going to the shops. It's having to continue. It's having to work your way around this new identity, this new label, because at the end of the day, it's just the way life works. Like, for consumerism and everything people love to have labels on you Mm -hmm. so it's like now it's you know it's like it has to you have to be labeled but my big lesson and I'm still learning every day and there's days where I'm so depressed and there's days where you just think what is the point but I'm so like a thousand times better than what I was and a big thing is I can pull myself back around Mm. like I'm not gonna lie and a big and I felt a lot of shame about it as well but I've been on antidepressants since I was 14 Mm -hmm. and like I can't even believe I'm saying it but like and I'm on them now but I'm not an unstable person because I'm on them like do you know what I mean you are stable because you were on them but Mm -hmm. also as well like it's it's just like any other tablet. I think there's such a stigma around it and thinking, God, if she comes off them or God, you can't be like, you know, I, I, I do think, God, if people find out I'm on antidepressants, how are they going to feel about hiring me or, you know, it, because it is that thing. But then it's there's like... There's a shame attached to it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I'm not, I might not be on them forever. I might be on them forever. But I just think... I need to help myself out after everything I've been through. And for so long, I was so hard on myself. I'm so like, why can't you be normal? And why can't you carry on? And I'm not being funny. Like everyone has their crosses to bear. Life gives you the lessons that you have. So you need to take them. And I think if the only thing I can contribute to this world is that I make someone feel better about taking antidepressants and giving themselves a break, I'm happy. And the only way I can do that is through experiencing it myself. Mm. And I think we get so caught up as well. Like life is so transient. Like you never have the same day twice, do you? Mm. So why are you still beating yourself up and thinking of yourself in that one memory? You never have the one day again. So why are you always overconsumed about this one memory and thinking of yourself in, in that situation? Like, I've for so many years and still even now I've I've just like really criticized and hated myself and like loathed myself for the seizure that you know is the medical seizure and everything and you know why couldn't I be normal and different and it's something I'll I've still struggle with but at the end of the day it's transient like it's it's here and it's gone and you know I can be who I want to you know it's all relative and it all changes all the time do you know what I mean like and how have you got there? Is that the cognitive behavioural therapy that you are sitting here and saying those words to me? It's a combination of things, really. I've always been a deep thinker, which is like to my detriment as well. Um, cognitive behavioural therapy got me out of that because it, and it is about that fact. Like when you're depressed and you're just like, well, you can choose another thought. I know that feeling of my depression to me was being in the bottom of a deep, deep, deep black hole and not having a ladder or any way of getting mm-hmm. out. And like when someone says, just choose another thought. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, I've got no options for other thoughts. But I remember my therapist always said, look, Sasha, I know you want to do all these things with your life and you can't do that. You can't move away. You can't get out of that situation if you can't, you know, not wash your hands so many times and I, that's changed it for me I was like how am I going to live on my own one day just live on my own if I can barely function on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and I thought like I haven't been through all of this just to let that stop me because then I'm not being funny I'm giving in the cerebral palsy and what am I doing like I'm not living something's got to come from the rock bottom you can't stay at rock bottom nope. it's scorched earth do you know that's the whole idea of scorched earth isn't it like 
knock something down and for something to get so bad that new has to go like mm-hmm. it has to, and I think and I'm honestly I love my self-help books I'm not gonna lie like mm-hmm. people think you're all like going on like look at you it's like no like read a self-help book do it because and that's the thing as well I think this is me getting all deep but with Instagram and everything now more than ever people live at such a surface level because it's just easier and there's so much pure distraction like you know you're on your way home from work and all you want to do is like just look at a bit of reality tv and Mm. just to make yourself feel better but I think as well like it's you have levels as a human like look we are having amazing experiences like this but at the same time like I've been in the depths of despair in my bed, not wanting to get up. So, so if, if you can feel, exactly. So if you can feel that spectrum, I think you've got to develop it and just find out more about yourself and as a human, because as well, you are more than your experiences. You've got to unlock a lot of yourself and find out the things you like about yourself and your qualities. Because at the end of the day, when you go to bed at night, it's all that thing of, I want to feel better. And I think, you know, when you see people in suicide the way it is now, and I just think, I would never want to inflict that. So, and you know, when I find out somebody's died, it makes me feel so sad. And I think, well, why do I feel so sad for that other person? But I was willing to do that to myself. Mm-hmm. You need to do it for yourself, yeah. don't you? It's you're not be just, about you. Yeah, you're not just that one experience. You're not just that one seizure. Like, I'm not just medical seizure. I'm like seizure who loves like the real housewives and stuff. Like, mm. you know, I'm multifaceted. And life is multifaceted and you're not just that one thing that you feel at the time shapes you and it's going to be you forever. You're not. Yeah, we are unique people, all of us Mm -hmm. are. But at the same time, we're also the same. Everybody goes through highs and lows. We're all going through. I mean, this this pandemic's taught us one thing is that actually we've got a a lot more in common than we have, Mm. you know, Mm. not. Exactly. we have to be there to look out for the people mm-hmm. and how we look out for the people is done in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think talking to people, mm-hmm. letting them know that you've got, because, you know, we all look okay on the surface, mm-hmm. like you said, but actually there's a lot of shit and turmoil going on inside mm-hmm. everybody. Oh God, totally. And if somebody is in the depths of despair, to know and to hear from somebody else who they think is okay. See, actually, no, love, I don't know how you feel right now, but I've experienced my version of that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? My life is really worth it's living liberating. now. And that I think mm-hmm. is worth its weight in gold. Because if you had heard that, or if I'd heard that mm-hmm. when we felt like that, mm-hmm. it would have transformed us, I think. But you, quicker. G- yeah, mm-hmm. but you gave me like, I've seen you crying. I've seen, I, like there was time when you had your breakdown, like, you know, and I just think it's, it's seeing that. And I think now as well, I'm, 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 for oh, so I long. Didn't hide it. I was yeah. just like, oh. So, Talent, do you want to talk about the breakdown? Yeah, yeah. I just got a letter, yeah. didn't we? We don't know where, to this day, we don't know where this letter came from. Yeah. And the consulate, the, Mr. Takivit, who sent, he said, I don't know, just my secretary must have sent it. She hadn't seen him since she had the A plates removed when she was 13. And we got a letter to go and see him. We didn't actually see him. We saw his, his um, registrar. Mm. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, I can fix your ankles. Yeah, your cerebral palsy, no problem. Because we'll we, the operation. We've been, we'd been told, like, look, you're past it. Like, yeah. from the big hospital as well. Mm. And from the neurologist, they were like, look, you're past it. It's not going to benefit you. We've been told basically that she'd missed the boat with every um, like solution that they could have given us. Because she was diagnosed so, so late. Yeah. And that it was just going to be medication and for I the rem- rest of our life. And I remember that day, there was a day where we were told that and we were both hysterical, especially you, because yeah. you would pinch so much. I was literally hysterical in the hospital. I had to put us into the nursery with the nursery nurse and she had to sit with her for about an hour and come. I mm-hmm. was literally... 
and I was screaming and effing and blinding and I was blaming everybody. I said, you have done that. Like, I was hysterical because to be told there was no options left. Mm. I was like, well, what the hell are we going to do? And I was you know? just like, I'm not even good enough like for the treatments. Like, I don't even fit that box. And then I was but like, then, and sorry, I just remember thinking, why did they hate me? Like, why did they yeah, hate me? Like, you, you thought everybody had a vendetta against yeah, you. Didn't you? I just thought they thought I was a bit of a nuisance. I was mm. just like, why do they hate me? Yeah. And then we got this letter and it was, it was, she'd gone through the OCD and she'd gone through the CBT therapy and she was pulling herself right out. And then this letter landed on the door and I was terrified to open it. And actually I didn't mm. open it for a few days. Mm-hmm. And we nearly missed the appointment. Yeah. And it was for May the 27th. Again, <laughs> these are the pinnacle dates. You don't forget mm. them. And I opened the letter and honest to God, I was like, I'd say to give it again. Oh my God. And I knew because he was a good guy, I knew mm. it would be okay. And I said, yeah. but I don't know what the hell it's for. Well, when? And he said, yeah, but you've got cerebral palsy in it. This is about lengthening your... And we were like, what? Eh? Anyway, booked her in for the operation. So while she was given the great news of getting the legs sort of fixed, it came at a price because she ended up having to repeat the whole year of school. Because it was so such had a to massive... Stay behind you. Yeah, and what he did was he cut both Achilles tendons on both legs, a gastric muscles which go right up to your, like your calf. And he had to zigzag them all and then piece them all together again to lower her feet so she could actually put her feet flat on the ground. And that's changed my life, that's it. Like, it's just... But he said, and we were like... Because we didn't even think about it, did we? And nobody said why, why you get... You know, like why he was doing two done together, and it wasn't until after, and she was in extraordinary amounts of pain. Like it was, and the operation was so long. And the nurse said, "Now you know why he did two together." She said, "Yeah, because I wouldn't have come back for the other one." Once we got the operation to get the legs done, and we mean we were in for a while, and then you couldn't really get with oh hellish walk, and then that was horrific. Like it was horrific. So I had all of that going on at school, but really worried yeah. about you know, they were great like but they were terrified all the time because she yeah. had, a sixth one building was away from the main school and she had these massive casts on I had to keep checking that none of the, the sutures came out because it was so oh it was a bloody nightmare how you had the young lady sitting in front of me right now is absolutely beyond me have you ever wrote it all down i've started writing it down mm. yeah. yeah yeah but at the same but it's like the memory loss do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like bits I can't remember. Like I can't remember dates. I can't. I, can't I remember the whole thing. I, and I've yeah. got like when people were saying you need to think about what you're going to do and follow this up. I had to get all the medical notes, so I paid for the privilege to get my own daughter's medical notes because you know that's what you have to do. But I got them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it happened to a friend of mine whose daughter also had cerebral palsy, and her notes went missing. Right. So my friend Mary said, "Get the notes now," mm. and I've got them. It's like that. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me about uh-huh. your breakdown. Well, after she'd had the um, gastric muscles and Achilles operation um, and we got her through that, my mother at the time had also decided to break her knee. So I had I had three plaster casts between two people. It was God. it was a barrel of laughs, as you can mm. imagine, and mm. trying to fly up and down to work all the time. And this one doing her A-levels. Ah, life was great, wasn't it? <laughs> Honest to God. And I think it just... The hospital stopped to an extent. We only had this one hospital to concentrate on because yeah. before that we'd been to, we were going to multi hospitals every week. I calculated it, didn't we? From the yeah. minute you were born to you were 18, 19, there wasn't a three and a half week period that we didn't have a physiotherapist or a doctor's appointment. And that included like the holidays. That's why it made it three and a half weeks. So for for all those years, that was our life. Yeah. And I was on my own working 
looking after I mean mum got really sick as well with her diabetes at one point so I had all of that and then trying to like have a normal life and like and like people would say to me are you have you not met anyone yet hmm. I was like no <laughs> you had all of that as well and obviously I think I did want to meet somebody because I wanted somebody just to take some of the burden Someone you could talk to that and wasn't like your man. And go mm. do the food shop for us. Go and like drive the car for go a to, day. Go to cinema, do something. Yeah, yeah, and let alone do all the nice stuff with. Mm. Yeah. But mm. I just didn't, like, I didn't have time, you know? I mean, don't get us wrong, I didn't live like a nun, but mm. I didn't meet the, the one, you know, or mm. even the, the next one. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. It just didn't happen. And when life started to slow down, mm-hmm. ironically, everything hit. Mm-hmm. As it does, still. And I just, you, I just literally just fell apart. It was April. It was, yeah, it was the April. Yeah. And I just ran work <laughs> and I just said, I, I can't come in. I just can't do this today. Mm. And my boss is like, it's okay. I'm not surprised. What did that feel like? What, like, why couldn't you go in? Where were you? I just, I couldn't even bring myself to talk to anybody. I was done. I couldn't face getting in the car. I couldn't face getting out of my bed. All I wanted to do was just be for a bit and not have to organise anybody, not have to think about, not have to fight, not Mm -hmm. have to keep validating my child and myself. Because even like as much as work have been very good with me in the sense that, you know, they've understood, I still had to like ask for time off and if I asked for time off because I wasn't sick because I'm a teacher I had to cover lessons I had to make sure I'd left enough work so it wasn't like oh Carmel's just gone off for the afternoon at the hospital no Carmel's had to leave work Carmel's had to make sure she's accessible by the students like emails all the time on the phone as I'm sitting in the hospital so I'm still working and it's all of that like speak to your teachers and let them know everything that's going on make sure she was okay um Make sure that they're, you know, getting your prescriptions in on time, making sure that you've always got access to your medication. All of those little tiny things add up to so much. And like you said before, Sierra, it's not the, the big things that break you. It's like the low level disruption. That's the killer. Mm-hmm. That, and like even doing the housework, like the thought of having to pull the hoover out, mm-hmm. put a wash on, was just too much. And how long were you like that? For a good few months, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, rang the GP. And I explained to them, um, and he didn't even, he, he didn't even say, I need to see you. He just said, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. I'm going to leave a prescription for you in the chemist, get someone to come down and pick it up. And you need to start taking these tablets straight away. He said, you won't feel great straight away. It'll take a few weeks to get into your system, but you need to persevere with them. So did you have anyone to mind you? Because you were minding her for so long. So did you have anyone to mind you? Um... This sounds horrible. This sounds really horrible to say. Um, and I think it, latterly, this has caused issues in mine and my mum's mm-hmm. relationship. And it's a shame because, you know, like I, I relied on her, yeah, for like picking her up from school and stuff and bringing her home for me and all the rest of it. And like when I would go out to work, she would come over at hours mm-hmm. on a morning and, and like have, you know, like look after you. This is pre diagnosis. Yeah, pre diagnosis and everything. <clears throat> but I always went to the hospital appointments just on my own with her and. Uh, I just needed somebody for me. I needed somebody to say, you're not making tea tonight. I'm going to do it or mm. I'm going to go and do this. And I didn't have, I felt I didn't have that without having to scream it from the rooftop sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And only when I lost me temper would somebody say, I'll do it. Yeah. 
you know which takes the shine off it because then you think like then you feel guilty don't you but then I just think I may as well bloody do it myself now because I'm knackered anyway mm. you know and when she realised how bad I was she she did she, yeah. she did I mean she's, she has been excellent you know in that sense and she's just, and but nobody else did and then I felt guilty because it was just all on my mother mm. yeah and I think you know what I mean that's been our big thing like and as well like you know when it happens in such a close family environment, you never get away from it mm. and it shapes everything. Like, yeah, yeah. That's another thing. I've just went back in the council um, and I was saying, you know, like, I just feel like this is my whole life. And she was like, imagine it's like a roundabout, right? You are the roundabout and like the cerebral palsy is the garage. Like it's just one stop mm. on a way. And that mm-hmm. she's like, instead of you know, everything through that one lens, it's not like those, everything's all separate. Like, you know, so, and it all, be, I think because and we only had each other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So did you, you feeling a burden on your yeah. mom, you feeling a burden on her when you're having the breakdown, but also uh-huh. you feeling a burden on your own mom. mother. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you, it's a vicious circle. Isn't it, it is. Yeah. It really, mm. really is. Because nobody, because of how she looked and because of how, like I was always get up, put the face on, do the hair, you know, dress well because that that is an issue yeah that is an issue for people and Mm -hmm. it's very hard for some people to feel sorry for someone who looks quite glamorous Mm -hmm. in the sense that you know you you have your face on you have your hair done and i don't know what it is we think that you have to be knackered Uh looking yeah you have to be tired Mm -hmm. before people will feel sorry for Uh you i've been told just the fact i give someone eye contact means like i must be great I, I don't know why we do that, but you you have to. Like, I think someone said something recently to about Paul that he looked drunk, tired. And it wasn't until someone said that, that there was a conversation. Oh, God, is Paul tired? And I was like, yeah, wrecked. You know what I mean? We're yeah. in a pandemic, you know, in the jobs. Trying to survive. Trying to survive. Of course we're wrecked, you know what I uh-huh. mean? But it's until you look a certain way mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. people start to not feel sorry for you but actually mm-hmm. go oh yeah notice notice mm-hmm. yeah that's the word and often by then it's too late yeah if unless I feel that feeling of stress or like it's like two days before something's due I can't do it mm-hmm. do you know what? I need mm-hmm. that stress mm-hmm. yeah and then tell me about the business and where yeah. did that come from <laughs> that that was like I think the breakdown happened um well and it was just it got we're just sick of living the way we we're living and yeah. like that, that just being my life, like just hospitals and just mundane. So you were like, right, we're having a holiday. We love the hot weather. We're going somewhere lovely. We're like, right, we're going to Dubai. Like, so, and I was like, yeah. And I thought like, I'm going to treat myself, like, you know, do a little bit of reinvention. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to go all out. So, I, and I saw this uh, beach bag and it was like lovely has your initials on and like you know I can never get anything with my name on like, well not over there yeah anyway. not over there mm. so and I was like mum I love this and then we looked at the price and it was like 200 quid well it was nearly 300 wasn't it yeah uh-huh. and you were like I am not paying that for a straw basket I love you but I don't love you that much <laughs> <laughs> the age of it you know I think bloody hell I know uh-huh. yeah so then <laughs> so then I was like I tell you what we'll make one <laughs> And you'd always been creative, like you'd always done like dancing dresses and things and, like and that. Two, yeah. And like my school disco outfits and everything. Mm-hmm. So we made one and it, it was gorgeous. Like, and I loved it yeah. better than I loved the first one. Do you still have it? Yeah. 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 That's like the special ones. It's weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, 
so we went on the flight and we flew Emirates and we took them on because they were so big and they were really good carry-on bags mm. and all the air hostess was like I love your basket where's it from where's it after and we literally left with orders and we were like so because we were like oh. I was like shit yeah. <laughs> but we just said we'd do them and then it just kind of spiraled and like just, people in, yeah. the, in Dubai were like oh that's a lovely bag and because obviously that's the whole look there isn't yeah. it you know the yeah. beach yeah. thing and we were like oh thanks uh, it's ours Mm. Like, what it? What? the words coming out of my mouth so yeah. like, we are such blackouts like this is ridiculous yeah, you know yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. and then it just kind of like spiraled didn't yeah. it like, like mad mm-hmm. mad and we, we did fall into it but it, it was exactly it literally fell into yeah, it but it was exactly what we needed because we re- like we realised we were it, it kind of brought back the life into it. It was like, with people like, you know. We can do other things. Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. It's not just about hospitals and depression. Like, it kind of brought back Sousha, not just medical Sousha mm-hmm. and not just Mam Carmel. And, mm-hmm. you know, it brought me back. And it actually was nice for us to do something. Yeah. Just us rather than the hospitals. But yeah. it was also... It, it's therapy because we yeah. make them ourselves still we're not really know, just yeah, make we're, still, we're still tiny aren't we do yeah, you know what yeah. I mean um, and it's really therapeutic um, mm-hmm. it's been literally literally therapy for your motor yeah. skills as well yeah. hasn't it yeah. Um, but it yeah it made me take an interest in fashion again mm. it made me want to look at magazines and look at people and not through like wanting to be oh I want to be you know six stone lighter and mm. but like as in oh god yeah I want to look good again and what you know like getting yeah. the, you know looking at colors and and being surrounded by nice things it yeah. does lift your mood yeah the, one of the best things for us through like being just Searsha and Carmel who yeah. run a, an accessories business was the validation that we got from yeah. the country that we wanted to be in all of the time anyway. Yeah. And it was the validation here. Like, you know, things changed because of Brexit and all that kind of stuff. And we just felt like this was home. Mm-hmm. And it was, we shared the story on the Elaine show, for instance. Mm. And when Elaine found out your story, yeah. she was just like, oh my God. Yeah. And like when Kelly phoned you up and yeah. she was just like, this is just immense, the story. Oh and then with the business, like you're busier than ever, are you with the business now? Yeah, yeah it's honestly, it's been unbelievable. And obviously and everyone, we're transferring everything yeah. over now. Um, and just the amount of, I mean, the, Amy Huberman was like, you know, she yeah. got one of our bags and she shared it. And the response is just oh, like amazing, yeah. isn't it? You know, the way Honestly, people and her. people tend to buy, like there's that sense of like not depriving yourself. Yeah. Here. yeah. Mm. Not, pe- not pe- nobody's ostentatious. That's what I love. It's like the whole yeah. balance is right. Like mm. oh, I like something nice for myself and I'm not going to deprive myself, but I'm not going to be a dick about it at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, just, I don't know. It just has that uh, acceptance feeling. Yeah. Oh, Around and it proves that's where we're meant, yeah. where we're meant to be. So you're oh. moving here now in we're here, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. here now, yeah, just knitting back for Christmas and then, yeah, uh-huh. and then you're going to move here. What is the business called and where can people find you? It's, it's um, so when we're coming up with a name, we wanted something just that represented like the journey. So I was like, love, because you know, like mm-hmm. she's my mom and you are oh, like I love you so much and everything, and um. So I, I was like, look, there's me. I was like, what's like love in another language? And I was like, <laughs> let's make it a bit fancy. Mm. And it came up, um, Latin was a Mari to love. And I was like, oh, Latin, like, you know. Like, the universal language. language. Mm, of love, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, mm, mm. So I was like, so, and then it was like, 
I was like, we should do makes because A, we make the bags and it would be to love what you make. Mm. So Amari makes. Mm -hmm. So it's A-M-A-R-E and then makes, M-A-K-E-S. And it's at Amari makes on Instagram and then Facebook. And honestly, but I love as well, like followers and I love just having the chats with them and like (laughs) saying that they love the bags and oh, it's when people give them as gifts, like it's just like the the nicest feeling because you know how much you love. I love giving gifts and you like it shows appreciation for that person so yeah. like they think our bags are good enough to mm. say what they want to say to that person is just a lovely thing and how far around the world has your bags gone oh. um australia the actually via island <laughs> yeah because there was an, it was an irish uh, lady who bought a bag for herself um but for lots of different reasons there's funny about the palm going into australia mm. so we had to send it <laughs> to Dublin to my mum and dad and then she took it over with her when she came back for Christmas last year (laughs) and then one of the highlights was going to Vatican City to a Swiss guard wife Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So we do like an icon range, and it was yeah. Our Lady of Lourdes, and she wanted the, it's a yeah. clutch bag, and it's got Our Lady of Lourdes on the front, and she she loves Lourdes as well, and she yeah yeah. yeah. So then they've been to Texas, Canada, all Corsica. over America, Corsica, yeah, uh, all over Ireland, yeah, um, the and UK. celebrities. You said Amy Amy Huberman, and who else? Amy, oh, Amy you know more. Amy Huberman. <laughs> um, we just recently made a bag for Drake's son. You know the rapper. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and then we have Sarah Khan, Loose Women, um who else? It's like it's Cherry Healy, um just like lots Elaine. Elaine yeah, Curry, yeah. Uh, Alison Hammond, like mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. like amazing Gosh, people. What was that kind of thing? I know. That's yeah. mad, like to think yeah. where it's gone, like for you, especially yeah. with your illness and now like, you know, mm-hmm. doing all yeah. that and making them by hand. It's just yeah. lovely. But we couldn't have had one without the other. Yeah, like, it wouldn't it have would, It wouldn't have happened because we wouldn't have been in that dark place. And it's actually made with like reignite ourselves. Like, yeah, like I said, definitely. I think we both will live at a surface level and just not kind of well it, as cheesy as it sounds like out of dark times does come light because that's the only yeah. option yeah. yeah and I think like it, it wouldn't be as close as we were like what we are, are either mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah and like because there's, there's only like 22 years between us of course you know which isn't a lot really and you always get mistaken for my sister well, look my mother-in-law just came in there and went wow when she seen you Carmen when she said you were a mother like it's gas isn't it all the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah it's uh it, it's oh. brilliant like and it, I did give, literally give birth to my best yeah. friend I like, did she, you know like just we're always going to be connected we're not Siamese twins you've got no. your own life yeah. and I'm not one of these mothers saying just stay with me forever you know <laughs> I'm not baby Jane but <laughs> I'm going to be I'm definitely going to be with my girls I was I was like that and now yeah you've got I mean little killers yeah. don't get us wrong and I, wherever you go I will not be far behind you <laughs> and I'll be over all the time I'll be the pain in the ass mother-in-law I mean hell yeah you're alright I'll be yeah, there yeah, I will I will I'll yeah. be there all the time I'll be the best granny <laughs> mm-hmm. and can I ask you one question before I ask you what the future holds um, you didn't have any more children no I didn't mm. um, I, initially I was quite sad about that because I wanted it for Searsha to mm. have siblings mm. but I, I I didn't meet anybody mm. and also I think because I was we were so consumed by hospital yeah. appointments if I'd had, a, I had any more kids it might have been unfair to those children mm. because mm-hmm. I had to dedicate so much I had to get her well mm-hmm. and I knew there was something wrong and I had to fight that fight mm. 
because you just do, don't you? Mm. As a mom, you just, you know, and I just had to do it. And I wouldn't change anything for the world. Yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. I know. Like Not sometimes, I, like, and that's the thing, I think, like you say, when you feel like you've caused a situation, you do have a bit of guilt. Um, but, but you have to leave that now. Yeah. You didn't ask to be born. Yeah. You yeah. didn't ask to be born into the circumstances you're born in. Exactly. And I didn't, you know, regardless yeah. of what that old cow said in the hospital, you know, like it is what it is. Yeah. Things happen is. for a reason. I love your relationship. <laughs> I'm literally smiling here, looking at the two of you and listening to the two of you. Like, it's just, I don't know how you are the people you are with everything oh, that you've gone through because I absolutely love, like literally I'm like, I'm a tad hungover today, <laughs> but I'm <Good> absolutely <laughs> loving the two of you and I love the dynamics of the two of you. Oh, thank you. Thank so you. on that note, what does the future hold for you guys? There's like a string, like an invisible string between where we're always going to be us and the business really, because that's, that's our baby. Like, yes. do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's our rebirth that's like our oh, phoenix rising out with the ashes <laughs> <laughs> but that is like that's our focus and yeah. it's it's brought me and back the, to life yeah and the advocacy yeah advocacy yeah. side of things as well because i do I, I really really believe it's so important the to, to mm-hmm. make people realize that mm-hmm. we're all different yeah we're all the same yeah. you don't have to look like one particular image of something that you have or you yeah. don't have or whatever yeah. it is Listen to people's stories, listen to what people have gone through and take the the story with you yeah. to, to give you that little bit of hope. And college for you. Yeah, so I'm in my final year, um, sociology and then I'll, I'll say it. I, didn't want to <laughs> jinx, I don't want to jinx it, but like I've always wanted to act. That's been the only thing I've ever wanted to do ever since I was like little. I've always been a born performer, haven't I? Yes. So I'm looking to draw my schools because that a lot of my confidence was wiped away. You know, everything was just, I just thought, I'm just like ill Sasha, who was just crap with everything. So I'm so getting and building my way back up to that and the business and everything's helped mm-hmm. so much. So would like to go into acting in the future, but we'll see. Well, girls, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Um, and I'm glad you made it here to sit down yeah. with me. And um, I'm <laughs> glad that you're here now as well, like so for the foreseeable. Um, but it was an absolute pleasure to talk to both of you. And as I said, I do love your relationship. It's just so nice. And you've really picked me up this morning. Oh, you know, when you have a hangover you. and you have a little bit of fear, <laughs> but you've literally like... Pick, I got, I'm actually on cloud nine, like oh, just because you've just really picked you. me up. So I feel like I've known you for ages. Like, I, just I know. Feel like we're friends. <laughs> we are. We're friends. We are friends. <laughs> so thank you, girls. Oh, thanks thank you very so much, much for the opportunity. Loved it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.